Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. How many of you remember your message last week here at this church? (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. Three people were here, apparently. Um, Well, the message that uh, took place in the text that you study took place in a synagogue in a place called Pisidian Antioch. And there, the good news of salvation was, was preached. Faith in Christ alone was clear. And it was the first message, the very first message that Paul preached on this missionary journey that he's, he's taking. And at that time, on that day, no one, not one, disputed the facts of his message. That first sermon reviewed Israel's history. In fact, he was preaching to the choir because they would have loved hearing about their history because they were Jews. The sermon showed them, though, that all the dots of the Old Testament pointed to one thing, and that one thing was Jesus. The emphasis was upon the grace of God by which the Jews and Gentiles can be saved. We can be made right by faith alone in Jesus Christ. But we need to see that it was in a way that the law could never fulfill. And, 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 And Paul is telling them that this present gospel wasn't just some some great idea, some new fad to be thinking about. It wasn't something to think about from time to time. No, Paul presents the gospel. In the passage that we looked at last week and this week, as a matter of greatest urgency, pointing toward a decision that one needs to make. You may be here curious and have never made the decision to trust in Jesus as your Savior. Well, this message was written for you. Paul presents the gospel to those who hear it. And when they hear it, they really have two options. To believe in Jesus or to reject him. In the passage that we're going to look at today, we're going to see several different reactions. Actually, there's four of them. Reactions that still hold true today whenever people encounter God's word, whenever people encounter the good news of Jesus. So open your Bibles if you, if you got your Bibles with you. I always encourage you to have your Bibles with you. Don't just listen to what we're saying. Listen to what God is saying to us. And just in case you don't have it handy, it's printed on the back of that bulletin, the text that we're going to look at today. I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to come back and make observations through the text as we go through. Follow along as we read together. Beginning in verse 42 of Acts chapter 13. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue that very first weekend, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. By the way, that's a very great compliment. Someone makes a sermon and they say, we want you back, okay? When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. 
Well, on the next Sabbath, verse 44, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. Quoting Isaiah the prophet, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring uh, salvation to the ends of the earth. We continue with verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from that region. So they... Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want to ask, and maybe you, that's a question that you've never considered, but have you ever thought of someone that has told you that they've gone somewhere to plant a church? How about planting a church in another country? I think there's some prerequisites required if you are that person who's going to go. One, you really should be someone who is pretty committed to the gospel thing that you're trying to share. Your life should be transformed by that. And, and you should know the scriptures. You should know what the scriptures say, and you should know something about the people that you're going to go try to plant a church in with. Well, methodology is certainly helpful. But planting churches is all about pretty much one thing. It's reaching people somewhere with the gospel. You don't want just people to come from other churches. That's not really reaching anything. That's just maneuvering. Someone who's planting a church is trying to reach someone with the gospel, and that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas are doing. Truth is, that's what all the disciples were doing. You know that some say that Paul started some, anywhere from 14 to 20 churches in places in the world that did not have a gospel presence. And then there's the other ones. Ones we're not really focusing on today, but what happened to the, the other ones of the 12, right? Well, apparently Thomas, Thomas went as far as India, where there is still a tomb that has his name on it. John and Philip went to what we would know as modern uh, Turkey and Greece, then known as Asia Minor. Peter, Matthew, Andrew, and Bartholomew. Well, we'd go to Ukraine today to see where they reached the, with the gospel. Uh, the Black Sea region, Romania and Russia. No, when someone takes the good news of the gospel to somewhere where it isn't, Man, it's, it's, it's daunting. And when it's somewhere that's foreign, it's even more daunting. So let's break down the passage that I just read in a way that I, I hope we can understand. And we're going to see four ways, and if you've got your fill-in notes, this would be helpful to use them at this moment. 
Four ways that people respond when they encounter God's word. Look again at, at Acts 13, verses 42 and 43, and they'll pop up here on the slide. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited, actually the ESV says begged, he begged them to speak further about the things the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and encouraged them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. There were many people at Paul's first sermon, the one that you heard about last week, and they asked him to come back and preach again. They wanted to hear more about what God was doing through Jesus. Look at what the text says initially, that they wanted to hear more of what Paul and Barnabas were preaching about. They were Jews. They were de devoted converts to Judaism, Gentiles who had become Jews. And when we come to Acts 13, 44, well, we're going to see in a moment that the whole town shows up. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. My first main point this morning is when, when encountered with the gospel, when encountered with God's word, some people want to hear more. This city, Antioch, was chiefly a Gentile city. But like many Gentile cities, in those days, it had a Jewish community. The Jews had a synagogue, and that's where Paul preached first. Which, by the way, became Paul's pattern. He always went to the synagogue first. However, the word of God spread quickly among the Gentiles. And, and when we say Gentiles, it's important for us to know what we're talking about. There are Jews, and there is everybody else. Gentiles are the everybody else. The word of God spread very quickly among the rest of them. And when Paul and Barnabas came to the synagogue on the second Sabbath to preach again, it was packed. And it wasn't from Jews from other synagogues. It was from everybody else. Probably those who had never set foot in that synagogue before. So why did they come? Why did they come? Well, it wasn't just to hear Paul or Barnabas. Verse 44 says that the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 46 says they were there to speak the word of God first to the Jews. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored what? The word of the Lord. Verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole town very interesting that I kind of pull these things out, not because I, I made it interesting, but in our world today, the reason people would go hear somebody is because they put on a good show. Their message is in, wow, they're, they're great speakers. They don't even need notes like that guy from the hospital. <laughs> but trust me, you want me to use notes because if I don't use notes, there's no telling where I'll go. Or how long I'll go. 
No, these people were coming because of what the word of God was doing, and it was something they'd never heard before. They were responding to the gospel. There, there are people who preached the word of God faithfully over long periods of time in places like Roseburg, all over the world. And in some of those places, they can't testify to any significant response. And yet they faithfully continue to share. You see, a response, that's God's work. They remain faithful to his calling to the commission that Jesus gave them and in fact gives all of us, which is to take the gospel, the word of God, into all the world. Well, Paul and Barnabas were doing just that. Sometimes they took the gospel to a new city and they were, re were received well. And a church is established. And there's probably a book in your New Testament named after it. At other times, the word they preached was rejected. But whether it was received or rejected, they pressed on because, because God was on the move. Paul knew it. Barnabas knew it. But we're aware that there are times that we live in and we think they're pretty dark. If you, if you didn't think they were pretty dark, just uh, re watch Twitter, you know, pull up Twitter. Turn on, watch TV, turn on the news. We like to think that the world we're in is getting darker, but folks, I'm going to tell you one thing. The world that we live in is not nearly as dark as it was at the time when Paul went out and was sharing the gospel. This was new news. Like, it's, I can't say it's like taking, taking the good news in the light of the gospel to cavemen, but spiritually speaking, it was. People want to hear the word of the Lord. We think they don't. Every day, by the way, I, I visit folks in the hospital. When I visit them, um, I, might, I might know something about them that they don't know them, that I know. I, they, somewhere they said they were a Christian. So I go see them. So tell me about that. Well, often it was not a part of their life currently, but it was something that they had made a commitment to at an earlier time. But you know what's fascinating to me? No matter what the spiritual fervor of a patient in the hospital is, when they're in the hospital, they want to talk. You heard the phrase that there's no atheists in a foxhole. Well, it's my experience there's not many more in a hospital bed. But you know why else I know the people want to hear about the word of the Lord? It's because you're here. Some years ago, people gathered in this small little burg and happened to get a plot of land across from the courthouse and said, we're going to change the city. And you today are testimony of that commitment. People want to hear God's word. And they want to hear more. Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse 45. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse on him, 
I bet there were other people in that uh, congregation of the synagogue who were excited to see other people filling the pews. They wouldn't have pews. I don't even know what they had. Rocks, you know? I don't know what they did. But they would have, the place would have been packed, and there would have been people happy that it was packed. But some of the Jews were concerned because these outsiders had such a big following. So they started arguing with Paul. They tried to destroy his and Barnabas' reputation. Because you see, sometimes when people are encountered with God's word, they create conflict. Well, if you've been listening closely at all, you may ask the question, wait a minute. Aren't these the same people who last week at the last synagogue message wanted to hear more? Probably. Certainly, some of them. Well, can you imagine the conversations that were going on around that town during that week? In shops, in the fields, in their homes? So, how does this curious person become threatened? Well, the new guy has more people showing up for his teaching than the rabbi. And then you start an argument. They wanted to humiliate the guest preacher and his friend. They were filled with jealousy and they talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Well, why did they do that? Well, there's probably a number of reasons. The way Paul described uh, the message in, from last week, he pointed to the Jewish leaders that the folks in Jerusalem had rejected Jesus. Well, if the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem had rejected Jesus, well, maybe they should too. Paul also said something about the law that they would have disagreed with. Because the Jews were committed to the Old Testament law. It was their life. They learned it. They tried to figure out what it meant, always trying to obey it. And Paul said in his sermon from that previous Sunday, Sabbath, through him, speaking of Jesus, everyone who believes is justified. And you could not be justified. You can't be made right at all by the law of Moses. To a Jew, that would be big. Whoa, 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 you're changing the rules. So the Jews who were listening must have construed that his preaching against the law of Moses, well, that isn't any good. But Paul wasn't alone. Same thing had happened to Jesus. When Jesus was preaching during the gospel period, he says in Matthew 5, verse 17, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and prophets. I've come to fulfill, to fulfill them. The Jews in Jerusalem at that time figured that he had come to tear down their traditions, and that's exactly what they were thinking, were thinking of Paul and Barnabas. You're trying to change us. But that wasn't the real issue. The real issue we've already mentioned. It really seems to me that what bothered the Jews of Antioch most was not that their leaders in Jerusalem had rejected Jesus or that Paul said something about the law that they didn't like. 
They saw that the Gentiles were responding to the preaching of Paul in large numbers. And the text says they were jealous. I wonder if that synagogue ever prayed for any other synagogues in town on those Sabbaths. Verse 45 says they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. And I believe that was the problem all along. They wouldn't have cared if Gentiles sat in the back of synagogues, paid attention, and perhaps in time became good Jews through circumcision or jumping through the hoops of becoming a Jew. That was all right. They were glad to have that, just as Christians are glad to have people sit in their pews and eventually become good Presbyterians, Baptists, or Episcopalians, or whatever. But they didn't want the Gentiles coming as Gentiles to be received by God as they are. Now, they needed to be Jews first, didn't they? Well, seeing the conflict and understanding their complaints, Paul makes an important decision. And he establishes a principle that he was to follow from this time on, virtually in every city that he preached. He said to the Jews who were resisting him, the text says he does it boldly, Look at verse 46. Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The reason Paul had to speak to the Jews first was because he was a Jew himself. Because when the Lord gave the Great Commission, and more particular, the commission that we would read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'm sure you addressed it at the very beginning of the series. We're told to begin in Jerusalem. That is, with the Jews, and Paul was a Jew. The gospel started in Jerusalem. So when Paul went about preaching the gospel, he went to the synagogues first. Yet what is significant about the decision recorded in Acts 13 is that Paul went on to say, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Why did he say that? That would seem to be a little uh, provoking. I have a feeling that when he said it, the whole room got a little on edge. Well, obviously, I believe, because the gospel, although proclaimed to the Jews first, is not a Jewish gospel exclusively. The gospel, the thing that we have already sung about in our worship here this morning, the very fact that Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, is a gospel for the whole world. And that is why Jesus told his Jewish apostles, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then went on to say, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and where else? Everywhere else, the rest of the world. And Paul supported his statement in Acts 
13, verse 47, with a text from the Jews' own scripture. I already read it. But look at what the prophecy from Isaiah says. It's virtually word for word. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The Jews themselves were to be the light to the Gentiles. But if the Jews wouldn't believe the gospel, then Paul, himself a Jew, he would. And he would carry it on to the Gentile nations. Look at verses 48 and 49 as we move on. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through this whole region. When Paul proclaimed that salvation was made available to the Gentiles, guess what happened? People talked. And they talked to others. And the word spread. It's the third type of response when people encounter God's word, and that is that people believed and people followed Jesus. I believe that the wonderful thing about this passage is that when the gospel is proclaimed to these outsiders, they believed it. And we're told a number of things about their response. When the Gentiles heard Paul's announcement, they were glad and honored the word of God, verse 48. And I think that really means that they, they didn't just give it a nod. They embraced it. They believed it. The word called for faith in Christ, and so they believed in Jesus. Second thing I think that the text tells us is that the word of God spread through the whole region. The believers became witnesses soon, soon after they were converted. And since most of them were Gentiles, this became a very significant Gentile mission. It wasn't Jewish in its dynamic anymore. Have you ever met a new believer? Do you ever remember, do you remember when you were a new believer? I do. It's where I, I, I was attending a church with Libby's uncles in Pontiac, Michigan. I was the guy who couldn't get enough. If the services were at 11, I was there at 10, sitting at the steps waiting for the folks to come at the Marymount Baptist Church where the doors swing wide to welcome you. It's where I learned I'll fly away and all the great Baptist stuff. No, when our faith is new, we want to tell people. Oh, for our faith to be new in us today. Well, meanwhile, back at the synagogue, let's keep reading. Verse 50. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And here we see the fourth response of the gospel. When encountered with God's word, some people reject it. 
You want to start a riot? Well, let's get the ladies riled up. Let's get them starting to talk. Let's get those guys who meet for coffee at the black and blue every Monday, let's get them talking about it. Now, the women here were probably very pious, very lovely, faithful women. People who prided themselves in their devotion and they, they, I'm certain, were committed to what they believed. So they imagined they knew the truth already, so tell them that there was more. Can you imagine finding better people than us, they might ask? The Jewish leaders stirred up other important people in the city, and the response was to persecute Paul and Barnabas and to kick them out of town. They marched them right across the bridge and sent them north on I-5. You know, I don't know what the roads there were. For us, it wouldn't be Iconium. It would be Sutherland. Send them on their town. Excuse me, notice Paul and Barnabas' response. The text says they shook the dust off their feet and they moved on to the next town. Shaking the dust off their feet was not just a sign of giving up, but it was actually a sign that was a sign of judgment. The text kind of refers to that, but it certainly was in the context of that culture. To, to shake the dust off your faith is, faith is that you're on your own. You stand before God. You've heard the good news and you've rejected it. The shaking off the dust of your feet was a way of showing disassociation with that city. If you want to read more about that, you can look at Luke chapter 10 on your own. So what happens as we wrap this up to us who share the good news with Jesus and people reject it? I can remember uh, leading a group of college students door to door in Salt Lake City, Utah, during spring break. We chose to do that. Um, we thought it would be very fascinating. What we found out was we pretty much knew who was behind every door. We found that the people who would listen to us and were more open to us were people who hadn't been there very long. So if someone's lawn wasn't established, it was a good house to visit. But if we did go to a house and they did send us on our way, we had to console ourselves with the reality that they weren't rejecting us. They were rejecting something much more significant. Verse 52 says the disciples were filled with joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. I, I think this verse is for, for us today because we can get discouraged. Perhaps you have family members who you pray for and have been praying for. To find hope in Jesus alone instead of the path that they have made for themselves. And they're not listening. You know, not everyone might respond to the gospel in the same way that you and I have. Or you and I might. 
They didn't let those who kicked them out of town to discourage them. Instead, they were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. As we kind of land the plane this morning in this message, I invite us to reflect and respond. It really begs the question for us. How do we respond when we encounter the gospel? Do we find or try to find some loophole so that the truth doesn't stick to us? Are we afraid that its truth will change us? So we keep it at arm's distance. Or we reject it altogether? Or will we embrace it? And allow God to use it to transform our lives. It may be today that you have come to this place. And you haven't even heard the gospel before. The very fact that you can have hope for eternity because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. I pray as Daniel prayed. That today would be the day you respond to that that you wouldn't just believe it. But like the people in this story, that you see that good news of Jesus Christ is for you too. To honor it. To be transformed by it. And will motivate you to share it with others. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.